I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. This is BIPOC Credits, a show that shines a light on the Black, Indigenous, and people of color who work in the booming BC film industry with high hopes of creating a more diverse Hollywood North behind and in front of the camera. Want to learn about the people behind your favorite movies and TV shows? Keep listening. Want to learn how to survive and thrive in the film industry? Keep listening. Want to convince your parent or guardian to let you be a part of the film industry? Keep listening. Welcome to BIPOC Credits. Here's your host, Andy Wong. Hello! Thanks for joining us today on BIPOC Credits. I'm your host, Andy Wong. And I gotta admit, first off, I messed up. Just a bit. You might notice my voice sounding a little fuzzy and distorted in the beginning of my conversation with today's guest. But because of my amazing producer, Knight, who caught it, I can guarantee it gets fixed 10 minutes into my conversation. So bear with it, because today's episode is one of my favorites. Our guest for today is Miel Enahe, makeup artist and sometimes hairstylist in the BC film industry. She talks about her experience coming out of makeup school and working on lower budget, made for television movies. Of course, she goes into the difficulties and systemic problems that come with lower budgets and lack of resources, but Miel also has her own blog and has a passion for artistic projects. She shares her insight on how these projects help her stay passionate about her craft. She also talks about the unexpected job of a hair and makeup artist in film, especially in the hair and makeup trailer, which is listening to actors' stories. Obviously, a lot of interesting stories come up, but she's not allowed to talk about it. But her breakdown of the importance of hiring the right makeup and hair artists, especially for black cast members, is my biggest takeaway. So. Without further ado, here is my incredibly important conversation with Miel and I. Can you explain, uh, like, maybe what goes on in the hair and makeup trailer in the morning, just to give people a better understanding of what it is you guys actually do and and the difficulties of your work? I feel like a big misconception with us is that, like, you know, we just take our time in the trailers and all we do is chat and like, and just, you know, like <laughs> run around and just like gossip and whatnot. We're with our actors, you know, and the way I see um, our time with the actors at the top of the day is like this. It's like, this is their, they're getting ready in the morning. This is their equivalent of time of them mentally preparing for the day, making more coffee, making sure that um, they're, they're, they're mentally and physically ready to enter their workplace. So when they come into our trailers, like we really have to take our times with them to make sure that they feel grounded. You know, like I like this has probably been talked about a lot that we are like essentially kind of the onset therapists for our actors because we're we're hearing everything. We're hearing how they're feeling in the morning and we're 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 talking them through it. And and in addition to 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 that, um, 
we're creating looks that help them embody their characters. Yeah, like in the trailers, there there are many different things we do. We go in, um, we sometimes don't get breakfast, no shade, but shade. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we, we like figure out what the breakdown looks like the day we prep the bags, we make sure things are restocked. Um, we start like hot towels to take um, for our actors to take them down at the end of the day. We like prepare their makeup, what their looks are going to look like. We consult them about their skin, whatever's going on with them. We do their makeup. We ask questions. We, we check in and then, and then we travel with them to set, you know, but there's just a lot of things that happen in between that could affect the look on set. Right. I feel like people don't really think a lot about how, um, much the makeup and the little intricacies in it can set the tone for the rest of the movie. And you don't notice it until something goes wrong, you know, until something's off. And that's when people start to like freak out, like, and, and have to do reshoots and whatnot. I'm like, okay, well, if you had given us the time, we told you we're, we're not just like hanging out. We're trying to make sure that everything goes smoothly. So yeah. Right. Have you ever had to do reshoots because of something that went wrong on set? I haven't, but I've, in a situation where someone has where oh wow they weren't able to like i think like a tattoo like tattoos are huge like they weren't able to cover a tattoo i can't remember what had happened but then they had to i don't know if they actually ended up reshooting but they had to cut that entire scene because the tattoo was showing the whole time it, it was probably overlooked i'm not sure but right like, it's something that does right. happen does it ever happen where you guys decide on the look and then once that look is applied the actor says they want something else and you have to change it like kind of on the fly thereby delaying some time um definitely i mean um also to a certain extent most actors know that it's really about what the director what the production wants for the look so right. it's kind of like a split the difference thing with them like we have to be like this is what he wants how do you feel about this and we collaborate together so yeah definitely there there there's an understanding but there's also like okay maybe we could change this for you so that you could feel confident in your character and feel like you're actually playing the role that you're supposed to be playing and are these looks like pre-approved by the director and producers um uh, in prep or like way beforehand yeah uh, or at least they should be if we're given the time that we deserve. <laughs> how how does the choosing of the looks process go? Like, um, do you guys ever get to talk to the producers and directors about what you guys are thinking? Or do they come to you and say, we're looking for this? I actually love this question because this is my favorite part about um, my job. And like, because like in, at the end of all this, I really want to be like a makeup designer. And like you know, like developing characters and whatnot um, for film. But ideally, we would go over the script, um, and then for me, I don't, I, I'm sure everyone does this differently. But I'll I'll read through all the characters and I'll like make notes of like like how I like would translate the character in person, and then um, we'll have a meeting with the director. And really, it'll be kind of like a collaboration with with me the director and and the actor with what they feel like their their character might look like so when we when we choose like looks like it goes down to like even like the most subtlest details that people often don't really think about like for example like the last movie i just did there's this character he's um he plays like this 12 year old who's kind of like he's a really creepy like nerd and he just and like he is just super passionate about like building PCs and like gaming. And like, he just like kind of sits in front of his computer for hours on um, all day. And like, I remember when I was reading this, um, <clears throat> cause like the script can only tell you so much. So like at, for, for me, I feel like as the designer, it's up to me to kind of fill in the blanks of what certain things might look like and how certain things might translate. I used to be a little bit of a gamer in high school where I play like right. Maple Story. I don't know if you heard of Maple. <laughs> like, <it's very> <laughs> yeah, I know Maple. Sorry. <laughs> and I remember when I would play Maple, I would play for like eight hours straight. It was so unhealthy, but I would like my PC would would heat up like crazy, and I, it would just make me like kind of sweat a little bit. So I, I was like, oh, like this kid has been in the computer for hours and hasn't slept for days. So maybe we're gonna make him a little bit greasy. We're gonna add like like an oil serum to bring out like his natural oil, so he kind of looks like. 
like a creepy kid and he's like shiny all the time and like kind of not really kept. He didn't really shower, you know, and like, and maybe a bit of eye bags because it's been days since he slept. He's addicted to the computer, you know, things like that. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't know. Do you want to know more about like how I created other looks or? Yeah, please. Especially um, uh, leading lady looks like like the number one on the call sheet for for Hallmark movies or even if um, if you have any experience with like series as well i'd be very interested in hearing how you create those looks with with hallmarks i'll be honest like i don't typically get that much creative agency with that um and and that's why like i'll, I'll still take them and I, I love them and they pay my bills but i i don't i typically don't like i start off with hallmarks and like mow's and whatnot but for me i i feel like i don't really get to do much with them because often what's asked is the Hallmark look is to look very perfect and pretty and natural and sweet. And so that's typically just like the kind of like very soft, natural makeup look every day, everyday look type of thing. And like, and while that's important to master, like I, I feel like I'm not fully fulfilled by that. So usually I'm used to whenever I go on a Hallmark, it's like, oh, like it's natural. And even like with hair, it's like, it's like loose wave. It's the same thing every single time. Um, so I don't, you don't really get to go into layers of the characters because they don't have many layers. It's really about creating a picture perfect scenario and things that kind of a more align more with um like cheap thrill movies. And I'm like nothing against like Hallmarks or Christmas movies because it's good for the time that it gives and like the the quick fix, but like it just it doesn't have an allowance for a lot of creativity for for people that are are also very much artists. Right. And that, that's how I identify. Then how about for like a TV show with with more uh, enigmatic characters? Have you ever uh, had to create looks for any of those? I haven't officially worked as a head of department on a series yet, um, but I did do like uh, the feature film. The last one I did I was with uh, the Friendship Game. I don't know if, remember if I mentioned that to you with Scooter Corkle. There's a character in the script. And um, I remember when I was reading the script, it um, described her as someone who just always wore like a lot of makeup. And and so I'm reading this, I'm reading her character the script and how she is. She's a really bubbly person, but for some reason she always has very thick layered makeup. And as I was reading through like, and, and getting a feel of her personality and seeing how like peppy and warm she was, but going from being peppy and warm to being someone who was also like, like questionably insecure like and even though the script didn't directly say that I was thinking in my head I'm like oh like as a woman um and as a woman her age because she played like a high schooler I think she was like 16 or 17 like at, at that time in my life I always felt the need to kick on a lot of makeup because I felt like I had to look a certain way to, to fit in you know like I, I think back to to my youth and I think of like how I would have connected to that character and so when I was creating mood boards for this character, I was thinking of like the type of icons and celebrities that 16 or 17 year olds would look up to. So I, I was like, I started putting pictures of like Ariana Grande and Zendaya or Zendaya. Um, and, and yeah, and all of like the young celebrities and like Kylie Jenner, you know, because like at, at that age, like they would probably feel the need to look and to look like that, to have that right. image. So, so I was like, I feel like her character would try to adapt to that look. So I, I created a mood board with all of that and I, and I pitched it to, to Scooter. I was like, what do you think of this? He's like, no, that's exactly what I was, that, that I was going for. Like you, you got it spot on because um, for me, like looking through the script, like I'm constantly having to, like I said before, like fill in the gaps and read in between the lines with what the character um, is intending on and, um, what direction that they're going? Do you have to do mood boards for all of the uh, uh, all of the projects that you uh, do? Is that is that something that uh, happens for every project that you create a mood board that shows the your ideas of these looks? I don't think it's expected for everything, um, like smaller budget things or like music videos. I don't think it's expected, but like ever since I started, I've been I do it um, just because I feel like. It's Important. And I feel like a lot of times directors don't think about that type of thing. Right. Um, 
they're just like oh just do whatever you want or just keep it natural but when you look at the the concept of the board like it's it's maybe the the concept itself is so artistic and um and, and like what better way to to showcase that but through the face so like sometimes I'll create like ideas and I'll put them together and I'll pitch it I'll be like what do you think of this like do you feel like this goes in the direction that you're going I'll try to really push it as far as I can because I feel like the image is really important yeah absolutely it sounds like a really great way to communicate something that um I mean admittedly a lot of directors probably don't know about uh don't understand and it just sounds like a really great way to be able to communicate um certain things with them that uh they wouldn't normally be able to communicate without this mood board so that sounds awesome that sounds like a really great uh tactic <laughs> thank you yeah like it, it is good tactic because i feel like that's my way of like if they're not someone that cares i'm uh, giving them an opportunity to care and to see why it's important right it's important like when you when you do see really cool makeup on on like um on a sh like a like a show then people are like whoa what the hell is that right pre-production they're not thinking about those things they're just thinking about getting the shot done but just like every single department is important you know totally do you feel like um you have enough time on set uh to do any finals or anything like that on um the lower budget shows and how does that compare with the higher budget or, or like the features that you've done i think it's the same <laughs> <laughs> oh no actually it's like I, like, I mean, I, I'm not even full, like, I wouldn't even fully say I'm, like, fully fleshed out in the industry. Like, I, I haven't, like, worked a full union show front to back yet. That's I still have yet to, like, conquer that in my career. But right. someone, an, an, another head of department had told me was, from the beginning, was, like, just so you know, like, there's really no difference between like a low budget and a high budget show, except for the budget, the issues and like the drama is still exactly the same. And like, just like, <laughs> drama. It's, like it's hit or miss though, really, because yeah. I've had some like really good ideas such as yourself on a lower budget oh, show, you know, and, and I've also had like um, some questionable ADs on like higher budget shows, you know, <laughs> so just like, right. I like I don't really know how they're chosen, so I'm not going to speak on that. But <laughs> I I think what it is is like um on the lower budget shows, or I guess even on like the bigger budget shows. Now that it's getting so busy, a lot of ads come up um who are more inexperienced, and once they're and they don't really get the training that they need in order to uh, do their job really well, and so um certain things that uh, they need to do might get missed in their training, in their quote unquote training, uh, which is like them being put in the deep end and just say, all right, swim, you know? <laughs> That's, uh, um, so things like um, uh, communicating with, with uh, the hair and makeup department after every you know, turnaround and, and every shot change, um, those are things that uh, I wasn't really trained uh, to do for a, a few of the shows that I did, I only really started doing it because um, because of one AD that I work with. Uh, even though I've worked with like you know two or three before, it was only after working with this one AD who really took their time training me and and taught me all those things, and then also um, uh, w said uh, said every time we had to like change uh, shots and stuff on the radio um, when. When that communication happened um, in like the higher uh, uh, end of things, then that's when uh, when I learned how to you know properly do my job and properly talk to you guys, uh, talk to the hair and makeup team about shot changes and things like that. I think it's it's totally fair to have brought that up because sometimes like even when I'm working with people, I, I also have to like check myself that um, a lot of the times we get thrown and even even I had this situation where, where, where you're very new in the industry and there is no actual structure or training. You just yeah. go in, you just, you just find a way to adapt and hope no one eats you alive. Like that, that's film. Like no one teaches yeah. you shit. You're just like, Oh fuck. Like you just observe the room and then adapt. Oh man, that's so real. So sometimes I have to like remind myself, I'm like, Oh wait, like, hold on. Like this is probably so overwhelming to them and we're probably scaring yeah. them. Like, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I think we really do need some kind of like training ground in order to to have better workers in the film industry. What that system is yet, I, I don't quite know, but I'm hoping I'm hoping with all the conversations that's happening right now, something gets developed and uh in the process of, of all of it all. Yeah. Actually I think um well for at least like makeup artists because um at least for me in school like I loved um learning under John Casablanca um however it was tricky because their their film instructors worked in the film industry so a lot of times we couldn't get a lot of consistent care with them because they they wouldn't always be available so right, my right. my learning film in school was was very minimal like I like I didn't really learn much about what to expect at all. It was more so like, there's no training. You just go in and you do it. These are some like film terms that you need to learn and understand. But like, I really didn't get a sense of it until I was actually in it. But um, anyways, I, my, my point was, is that I think now they're, um, they're better with that. But also there are some um, websites that I've included in the resources that I sent over tonight. Awesome. Um, yeah. Included like workshops for makeup artists and hair artists that were trying to venture out in in film. Um, if they if that's something that they wanted to try out in, because it's it's kind of like a scary industry to step for like foot in when you have no idea what's going yeah. on. <laughs> oh, that's so cool! Thanks so much. How can ADs make the hair and makeup lives jobs easier? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like we can only really work as fast as the information that we're given. And, and yeah. I think probably the same for the AD teams that you, you have to hear it from your first to your second to your third. Right. So <laughs> yeah. all, we just all just have to talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> we all just have to talk to each other. And I also like, I, I think some people do this and some people don't, but I like having um, uh, group chats with the ADs because I like getting right. text like, oh, moving on to the next scene. We're doing this, this, and this. Like that really helps me because then I can reference um, and I don't have to, and, and that way you don't have to come to us individually all the time when you don't have time right. to, to tell us directly. You could just, we could just look at our phone and be like, oh, he, he sent it already. Yeah. You know? I will say as a, as a tad back when I was tatting, that was one of the hardest things to like run off set, come talk to you guys and let you guys know we're moving on, then run back on set. <laughs> because you can only be in two places at once. So like, I yeah. even have that i'm like they they literally are running everywhere yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> we're trying we're trying i can't speak on um ading because it's like obviously it's it's not like I, I can't even pretend to know how much work goes into that um my but my best friend's uh tamara black i don't know if you know her she's yeah. she's like director and ad in the indie world and she always like would tell me um, that she, she like just how she said something like a good AD, like, will like check in with every department, um, and then create a plan based off how it affects them and, and right. basically picking like the lesser evil. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing about prelims. It's that, that's what I see it as, as well. Like when I have a prelim, it's, it's a documents that I can get information from. So I send it out. And then people will like come back at me and with all these like different information that I didn't know about originally. And then with this new information, I create something new um, that that works better for the day. But um, yeah, like it, it gets frustrating though when I uh, talk to people about the prelim and then they're like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. And on the day they're like, no, <laughs> we have to, we have, you know, 45 minute makeup change here. I'm like, uh, why didn't you guys tell me before? There, like I can be guilt. I have been guilty of that. I try my best. Oh yeah. It's so hard to think about a prelim when you're so involved in the present day. Right. You know, right. It's just like because I've been like I'm usually pretty good with um, giving estimates based off the prelim so that we don't have to worry about it the next day. But there, there's some moments that I'm just like, it's fine, just to prove it because there's so much happening right now and. Be, and, and it also like trickles on to like also not having enough of a team with me to be able to have a chance to step away and properly look right. through this and take my brain out of set. Cause like I have to always be there. Like even if we're sitting around watching the monitor and might be on our phones, we still have to be in that present moment. We still have to be watching what's going on. Cause like literally 
like our guard is always up even when we're relaxed anything can happen so you're you're right you're totally right that yeah. we like we definitely should have time to properly look through that so we can give a good realistic view of what the next day will look like with you totally yeah but um i i totally get it as well like sometimes you just don't have the manpower in order to split your focus like that and and i guess like for me what i've kind of started trying to do is sit in on the hair and makeup meetings and pay attention to like when those big changes are happening so like uh in a sense like ad's can take on the onus to to um get the information before before the day um so then that way like on the day um instead of just showing you the prelim saying is it good i have specific questions that you might be able to answer more easily than just looking over the prelim so like i love that <laughs> <laughs> i think that is so smart because okay this might be a dumb question but you you also have to read the script right oh for sure yeah right? okay. like so 80s need to read the script and yes. some don't it's frustrating yeah, that's why I wasn't sure. But um, I think what, like, because I think I've had one AD in, like, the, the years I've been working on film do this. And I thought it was brilliant. But he went over the script. And I think he made notes of times that he felt like changes might happen. Like, he was yeah. like, oh, this is a dinner. So you probably have a change there, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. And so he already had, like, pre-noted in his mind that he might have to look out for that on like this variation of scenes and like that was really helpful because then I didn't have to go and explain why this is important you know that he already knew he already had like noted in his head looked through the script thoroughly where where things might happen like oh I remember there was blood in this scene it's like it's like at the end of the day it's our job to to organize that but I think it also helps your um department um be ahead of the game with us so that we don't totally yeah so, so nothing can slip through the cracks so yeah I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's a couple of things I wanted to like clarify actually earlier. Um, finals. Finals is a... Uh, uh, it's like when the AVs call out, um, call out like hair and makeup team to come in to uh, uh, 
uh, check up on the actors right before we start we don't rolling. Call out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes we don't call out. Yeah, this is actually really interesting um, because I'd love to hear when when should an AD call out finals? Like, what's it? Um, when is it necessary and when is it not? I feel like at the very beginning of each scene, they should call it out. Um, um, each time we do a coverage, they should call out the very top. And then any time, like, like, like any like retakes, like afterwards, like it'll be up to us to like let them know that we need to step in. But at the very top right. of each one, every time, because like right. it, it's it's the very beginning, right? So we don't we right. don't know, and and the rest of that is just maintenance, and it's up to us to watch and be like, oh, it's it's still good. Okay, we don't need to. They don't have to call out every single every single take, but at least at yeah. the top of the scene, that what okay. that's what sense to me at least okay that's that's good to know because as i move up in the ad world i'm going to keep that in mind <laughs> so um i want to uh talk about your um your blog uh that you have as well on on your website um there's a couple of posts that you posted that uh, really connected with myself and nightingale uh, one was about mental health in working in the film industry, and I guess this this really uh, uh, correlates what's happening with the IATSE uh, stories movement. Can you talk a little bit about that, and what drove you to create that? It wasn't specifically geared towards like working in film. Oh, okay. It was more so um, just uh, how do I explain this? Kind of like um, a project that I, that I felt like I wanted to translate, like about my personal experiences with mental health that I wanted to translate through, um, my, my art. It's, it's not yeah. really related to film. Is that okay? Or like, That's it's totally like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's more of like the artistry aspect. Yeah. I, I think I was just like, I don't know, like how much is like, how much, how much I can unload on here, but, um, <laughs> I, I was just going through like a really dark period and like, um, like at, at the time I was still like in the middle of like, you know, like building my career. And I, w I think I was having a hard time doing that while figuring out how to process what I was going through mentally. And right. for me, like, like I, I also write a lot on the side and that's my form of expression. But to me, what I was going through felt like so heavy beyond repair that I needed to, like, I didn't have the words for it. So my way of kind of like moving through those feelings is, is doing it through my art. So I was, I wanted to kind of create like a, a photo series um, in collaboration with other artists that I felt connected to um, that kind of portrayed what mental health would look like um, if it was personified. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I had um, one of my, best friends who's a who's a dancer um like em embody that character um for me because I knew he also connected to to the story and um I had a model that I had worked with um and a photographer that I, I was like really close friends with um kind of create this photo series of like just like the yeah the ups and the downs and like the deterioration that you would feel in your mind and what that would look like in a picture. And that, I guess that was like my way of moving through like healing in that, um, doing it through my work. Because for me, like I see makeup as more than just like, oh, you're just painting a face. Like I, I, like I started off wanting to be a makeup artist because I was really into like media work and painting. So for me, like that, like the only difference was that we're using um, someone's face as a canvas. And right. Yes. Basically, my article was, yeah, basically about my personal experiences and and how I moved through that through my artwork. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a great way to think about um, think about it. Like I've never thought of it that way. Like using someone's face as a canvas, and that's that's your artistry right there. Your follow up article, uh, if I remember correctly, was about film producers not hiring the right hair and makeup artists for uh ethnic actors and i'd love to get your take on this because 
it's something that's really come up in uh in media in the recent years uh and uh um john oliver did like a segment on it which was really interesting well, i still haven't uh, watched that <laughs> yeah um no, yeah no, it, and and then you also like recommended a, a, a few a few um movies and stuff that i checked out as well uh good hair was awesome <laughs> oh you watched it already I did, yeah yeah this morning yeah it's such a brilliant documentary such yeah. a brilliant documentary when when you uh recommended that and i read your post um i i yeah i watched it and i yeah it's really interesting just to see like the different um the different cultural importance uh each like hairstyle um has behind it can you talk a little bit about um like i guess the the conversations that actors have had with you about feeling disrespected or anything like that um and and why you think this is so important to get this right yeah um well to start i think that article i wrote um it was like something that had been on my mind um, for a while. And I, and I think I entitled it something like an open letter to like the makeup hair industry and the film within the film industry in Vancouver or something like that, because I felt like there were like, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable disclosing like specific people's stories because like, of course that's their traumas and that's their stories. And I, I feel like like, it, it just would just be disrespectful to share that on here. But like, as a general aspect, like I've, I've just had tons of like, like POC friends go on to set and just kind of like be turned away because maybe the makeup artist doesn't have the right foundations to match the skin tones, like something as simple as that, or like the hairstylists don't know how to work with textured hair. And like, to me, like that's so unacceptable because like for like, and it's like unacceptable on so many different levels that also like trickles up to the higher ups who are doing the hiring as well as like the makeup and hair artists, because like there's a responsibility that we have in this job, kind of like how we talked about how at the top of the day, um, when the, when the actors come in our trailer, it's up to us to really set the tone for the rest of the day. So like, yeah. how can we do that if we don't know how best that we could take care of them? You know, and, and we don't, it's up, up to us to really educate ourselves on understanding color theory and skin tones and different types of hair to be able to learn how to accommodate them because they shouldn't be accommodating us. How are we going to hire them to be like the face of our movies, but not know how to work with them? Like that's, it. it's just, what the hell? <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, absolutely. I know some people will argue and make excuses like, at least like, this is back then like oh we we don't have that many black people in vancouver but it's like so like this is like a booming industry keep up with the times and these are people you know these are faces like it just like learn like it and like and for like producers like if you're if you know that you're gonna have like a poc or black actress or actor in in your chair make sure that you come correct and you come with a proper team that knows what they're doing because right. it's, it's the thing. Like, I think like um, a lot of times, like I'll have some of my friends that are actors, like have to bring their own stuff to work. And I'm like, is production paying for, for their makeup? No, like they're, they're paying us to provide their makeup and provide the foundation and provide everything that we look. So they should not be picking out of their own pockets just because like, the production didn't find someone that knew what to do. So like tricky because like it also trickles down for like, I, I mean, I'm not like a trained hairstylist, so I can't fully speak in, speak on this, but I know um, for a fact that a lot of our hairstylists didn't like get trained to learn how to do textured hair because like, it, like the, the school systems is still very like, it's, it's still very traditional where right. they, they teach practices based off like the European standards of beauty. So like if you like and you've probably um watched in the the hair documentary that I sent you that it was a lot of like, you know, straightening and like you, you know, and like accommodating what um would be like what would white people would want to see on TV, right. you know? Like right. they, they don't realize that there's a, a whole different culture to their hair with like protective styles or like like braids or like or like a whole wig culture going on that yeah. takes hours 
flowers, you know, yeah, or so weaves and things like that. Exactly. Exactly right. that. We have the internet at our reach. Yeah. We have books. We have people we can ask. And I think a huge thing for me is conversation. Um, so like a, a lot of stories I hear also is artists coming in and pretending that they know what they're doing. They're like, no, no, don't worry. I have it. Like you don't have to give me your foundation or like give me your hair tools like like I like I got it and then the the actress comes out like feeling like crap because they right. don't look good <laughs> like they, they don't yeah, even yeah like, they don't look like, like themselves or be on camera looking like this and yeah. then and like for me for some some people are like oh she's being a diva I'm like she's not being a diva this is what she's gonna look like on tv this yeah. is her portfolio like her face yeah. is her portfolio so I think it's important to be able to ask the actors questions and feel like, and and not like be afraid to ask questions and be like, hey, like, like having a transparent conversation is important. Like whenever I work with um, a POC, right. POC yeah. actor, if I ever have to do their hair um, or if I have to do their makeup, I'll email them and I'll be like, hey, this is what I know. This is what I typically use. Um, what do you use? Because we right. could learn from them too, because like we're touching their face for the first time and or their hair for the first time, but they've been doing their hair and makeup since like they since the years that they've been living, right? Yeah, um, right. There, yeah, there are workshops you can take. Like I think I mentioned, Alicia Chowen runs the the texture workshops in Vancouver. Um, I sent a couple of resources tonight as well. Of like, uh, I think there's a there's a makeup artist in Vancouver who I really admire. I haven't met her personally yet. Her name is Sabrina and she's like HOD at a lot of like bigger union shows from like Supernatural to, oh, I can't even remember cool. right now, but yeah. she runs, um, I think, I don't know if it's online or in person, um, but workshops on color theory and working on deeper skin tones. And um, yeah, I put a link out for her there. Um, yeah, there, there, there's so many ways. Like if you don't, if there aren't workshops here, you could look online. There's YouTube tutorials. Like they're like you could go to to Mac Cosmetics, and they also put out like pro workshops here and there on working on people of color. And they've been oh, doing they that. Do. Even the the BL movement blew up. They like that. Like I think that was like their model. Like um, like just all inclusivity and and whatnot. Right. So um, there's just so many things. Just you have to be willing to to dig and to ask questions and not feel like scared to. And, yeah, yeah. And really take the time out of your day to like go to these workshops that are available and, and go to these, uh, uh, learn about these things with resources that are available online and in order to, you know, do right by the actors who are in their, in their chairs. We can also learn how to like decolonize through makeup. Um, by by doing the work in that you know and like and also understanding like um like certain like expectations that we have for for faces like like how do I explain this like for example someone with like hooded eyelids like in the past they've taught us like oh like learn how to make them larger but um but in my head I'm like unless we're we're doing something for artistic purposes like I think like hooded eyes are really gorgeous. So like I'll I'll enhance them and I'll like bring them out more, but I'm not going to try to change the shape, you know, because like, why are we doing that? Who are we trying to accommodate right now? Like, like when we think about like the reason that we do certain things in our, in our work and what we put in camera, like, I think it's good to ask ourselves questions. Like why, why do we feel the need to change like their face that way? Like, right where does that come from? Who are we doing this for? You know, does yeah. that make sense? I don't know. I it might does. It absolutely does. Like it's a perspective that I've never even thought of. And it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. Especially nowadays with all of the, the diverse stories coming to the forefront and, and like, you know, movies like Minari or, or Squid Game getting so popular. Like <laughs> it's, it's clear that people in the outside world want to see, you know, different stories and different faces and it, it's not uh, Hollywood can't have that mindset of like you know what's worked in the past is always going to work and that's what um it, it can't be like that anymore because it's clearly not not like that anymore the audience is wanting something more authentic and it's clear that that's happening right now and it's a really exciting time to see that 
I a hundred percent agree with that. There's always like intricacies that have like, you know, like shadism and whatnot, like in between all of that. But I think like things are still changing just very slowly and we're kind yeah. of like battling those things as we go along. So yeah, like I, I agree with that. I, I, I do feel things are um, progressing um, and all we can really do is like constantly have these conversations about them and having conversations with ourselves as we, we go through those, through the movement. I uh, want to finish off with the questions I ask everyone. <laughs> um, what uh, is the worst advice you were ever given? Say yes to everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, what's the best advice you were ever given? Um, don't take anything personally. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's helped a me a lot as well. Don't take anything personally. Because well. so often, like on sets, you can, you can take things on set so personally, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's tricky because you're seeing everyone at their worst and their best. So obviously, personalities will get in the way, and you just have to learn that when people, what people say in the moment, doesn't necessarily like mean like you know that's who they are. They're just under a lot of stress, and like even for me, yeah. I'll say things, you know. So. Yeah. I had Absolutely. to learn not to internalize people's personalities as something to do with me. Yeah, that's great. Um, what would you tell your like younger, younger self? Uh, any kind of life advice you would tell your younger self about starting in this film industry? Like, remember to read the room um, is huge. Mm. Um, yeah. Observe and absorb. Um, and... Yeah, and and don't take things personally. It's personally. not it's not always about <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically sure. those things. And uh, what does a more diverse film industry look like to you? Mm, I think we we talked about about that a lot. Definitely, well, like in a most obvious surface level, like more diverse <laughs> faces, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like but yeah. also like a lot of open conversation, a lot of acknowledgement, a lot of willingness to ask questions with each other and to support each other because um i think i mentioned this like before in a previous conversation that um when we i think we were talking about cancel culture i i kind of said something like something that my my one of my best friends said to me where in order for us to move forward with this movement we have to be open and willing for, for and giving willing to give capacity for people to evolve and change because like yeah. there are so many that we see around us that like very racist comments very a lot of microaggressions and like and it comes from like ignorance and and lack of knowledge and so though we're it's not we're not obligated to teach that we have to also give space for people to to shift their ways and allow yeah. people to change and and not always be like they're canceled you know like we, <laughs> for we sure. have to give room for that you know yeah I love that answer. That's that's amazing. I completely agree. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Miel. This has been really awesome. Um, uh, what's your Instagram so that we can follow you and everything? Uh, it's at, so my first name and my last name, it's M-I-E-L-E-N-A-G-E Artistry on Instagram. Miel Inahe Artistry. <laughs> awesome. Um, oh, thanks again. <laughs> And uh, I'll uh, talk to you hopefully next time. As you can tell, there is still a long way to go for productions in Vancouver, making cast and crew feel comfortable working in this industry. But that's where the inspiration to create this podcast came from. These conversations help us understand the issues our fellow film workers have with the industry and allows us to talk about any potential solutions they might have thought of. The more perspectives we bring into these difficult conversations, the closer, I think, we get to a solution. As you'll see in my upcoming episode with actress Angela Moore, having a hair and makeup team that knows how to work on black actors and actresses is incredibly important in helping them stay focused on their job and not have to worry about how they look. So often we criticize certain departments without really understanding the role or mindset or issues of that job. 
me included, I'm completely guilty of this sometimes. It's easy to get sucked into that film tunnel vision, but like we said in our conversation, we all just have to talk to each other more and be kind. As you've heard in the episode, Miel took a lot of time to give us a wide variety of makeup and hair resources to further understand that department, especially how to work with black actors. If you haven't already signed up for our newsletter, please do so because that's how we're able to get this additional information to you. The link to the newsletter is in the description or check out our Instagram bio to find all of our information. I really appreciate all of you sticking around. Please leave us a comment and like us on your podcast platform because that really helps us get this podcast out there. I hope to see you on the next episode, but I'll definitely see you on set. Thanks for listening to BIPOC Credits by Andy Wong. This episode was produced by Nightingale. Our editor is Rihanna Toy. Graphics by Joshua Lamb. Theme music by Peter Robinson and Patrick Fiore. Intro and outro voiceover by Mike Lee. Thank you to our community partner, culturebrew.art for supporting us. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at BIPOC Credits. If you're enjoying what we're doing here, consider supporting us on Patreon and subscribe to our newsletter to get all the juicy information we didn't quite get to in this podcast. Thank you once again for listening to BIPOC Credits. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.